Welcome to Y11 Audio. This is Ypsilanti's College Football Podcast. You can read Ypsilanti's College Football Newsletter at ypsi11.com. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. And yes, it's game week. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna queue up the actual noise. No, seriously, it's game week. EMU Howard Friday night. Ryan Earson, six thirty o'clock. ESPN Plus. If you can't make it, it should be fun, man. Uh, the weather should be great. After last week, where the storm just really just sucked, left me personally without power until Sunday. So that wasn't fun. I don't like throwing away food in the refrigerator. I'm gonna have to buy a one of them generators. Still, power's back. Weather's gonna be great. This is gonna be a fun week. There's more than just football to look forward to. Uh, I'm just wink, wink, nudge, nudging towards uh, something else. I'm not gonna say right now, uh, but there's more coming up this week for EMU fans to get excited about. But it's Howard Week, man. That's that's why we're listening. It's Howard Week. It is football season. It is week one. It is not an appetizer week zero. It is not fo- college football light beginning. It is actual, actually the real deal. Even though it's just MAC versus FCS to start for EMU, and then a lot of MAC versus FCS in week two for sure. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. If this is your first time uh, getting into EMU football, hey, welcome. Hope you enjoy. This is a, uh, a fun team to follow, or at least it has been in the better part of the last 10 years under Chris Creighton. 10 years under Chris Creighton. This is going to be his 10th coming up. If you know the story, you know you know how bad it's been. EMU is traditionally not a power. Still isn't. It still really isn't considered a power. It's considered a very respectable program. It's considered one that is tough to play against, but it's not a juggernaut. It still hasn't won a MAC title, and that's still kind of the narrative that the team is openly hanging on to. It's you know not that anybody shies away from looking at the records, but EMU is super super aware of it and realizes how close things got last year. Should have beat Toledo at home. It really should have. It had the fourth quarter lead, blew it. And even though the team responded well going 4-0 in the final four games, including a bowl win, which hasn't happened in 35 years, sure, that moment felt good, but the pain hasn't gone away. They need to, you know, actually come away with a MAC victory, actually come away with a MAC title. 35 years ago, they won the MAC, but it was just a league title. It wasn't like a, like a league season title, a season title, not just a conference championship game. You know, something that's been in Ford Field since 2003, 2004, one of those years. That's something EMU wants. EMU is the only MAC team to not even make it into Detroit for the final game. Every other team, Akron, Kent State, Central, Bowling Green, Ball State, Buffalo, NIU, Toledo, they've all made it. A win, a loss against Howard, ultimately it won't really matter in the MAC standings. A win or a loss over the next four games ultimately will not matter in the max standings. However, you can't go into the season feeling bad. You can't go into the max season after an 0-4 start and expect good things to happen. If you're going 0-4 through the slate, that's not a good indicator of where the team's at. 
So, yes, it's a great opportunity to go out there and get your legs stretched and, you know, get warmed up and get ready for, you know, the meat of the schedule. And this is a good good opponent to warm up against when there's still a lot of moving parts and uneasiness or not uneasiness, but some question marks from the outside from my perspective of where where certain positions are at and where they're at roster wise. I like some depth pieces, but not across the board. Some starting players just need to, you know, show a step up this year. And ideally, they would really, really love to prove how far they've come in these next few weeks. You know, these are college kids. They're not trying to, you know, sandbag on how good they are. You know, they they have a lot to prove. And tomorrow's not a given. So, yeah, they're going to play excited. They're going to play fast. And I think EMU is going to play a ton of different guys to see where everybody's at, especially if, you know, EMU can get to a reasonable lead, a reasonably comfortable lead against Howard to where it can flow more guys in and out of the rotations and just give more snaps to, you know, some second and third stringers and potential red shirters. Remember, you can play four games and still get a red shirt. That's still one of like, you know, of really, really big advantage for teams like Eastern that, you know, it prides itself on its development, it has proven to do well with its development, notable to say on cut day in the NFL. But the fact that EMU, one, does well in its development, and two, has the ability to let someone, a freshman, incoming transfer that might be a little bit undersized still, let them play four games and get redshirted still to retain their eligibility for another year. That's still a major advantage for a squad like Eastern. So expect to see a lot of bodies, a lot expect to see a lot of numbers going in and out, a lot to expect to see, you know, the starters not play as much as they probably would if it were Toledo or Central Michigan on the other side. But that that's obviously the best case scenario too. The worst case scenario is if like well, a loss, but you know, a disadvantageous situation that still results in a win would be just like last year where it was a tight game through and through and, you know, they had to fight tooth and nail all the way through the final few minutes just to squeak out a win. Respect to EKU. They were great. But you just don't want that to happen in week one. Not worth it. It's too long of a season. Ipsy11.com. If you go there, if you're subscribed there, great. You've probably already read the week one preview that I've written for Howard Week. Clips over 1,800 words, so lots of content there, lots of knowledge for you to pick up on on the coaching staff, on what to expect from the players, on just how many returning, you know, productive players Howard has. I counted, if not starters, you know, 16 really, really quality players on both sides of the ball that are regular contributors and or all MIAC level players. MIAC's not huge. MIAC is obviously a few notches below even the max talent pool. But still, I mean, they're the best of their own competition, and a lot of them are coming back, including quarterback, top two rushers, the number two, three, and four receivers. It brought in like a six, three, six, four receiver transfer from Northwestern. So I don't know, maybe that's a weapon. 
returns, I think, both of the tight ends, or at least one. Some all-MIAC offensive linemen, some all-MIAC defensive linemen, all-MIAC linebackers, and Chris Creighton said it best, you know, like, the, the, the defense, they return a lot of the front seven, but the best coach unit, which is Troy Douglas, the defensive coordinator who's been coaching for upwards of 30 years now, that's his specialty. He's gotten guys into the league from USF as like undersized cornerbacks to have multiple years in the league. Is it Malcolm Jenkins, I think? I think that's the one that stands out. Lots of returners in the box, but the defensive backs is going to be the best unit for that defense, and that's going to be certainly a test when you need, like, the quarterback, Austin Smith. You know, I keep talking about the deep passing threat, but, like, the efficiency of that, plus just, like, the total overall efficiency. You need the short game to open up the, the long game, you know, and vice versa. Everything needs to work in conjunction, right? But if Smith can beat a well-coached secondary unit through the air, then that's a good thing to come away from. It doesn't matter if he torches them through the air for 400 yards like he's the next Logan Woodside or something. That It doesn't matter. He just needs to beat them. He needs to beat them. He needs to stay upright, and we need to move on. Anyways, wrote about week one preview on the website. Yesterday, of course, as per every Monday... New depth chart comes out from the school. Updated that on the website. Did some notes. So definitely take a look at there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that always brings in a lot of traffic, of course. Uh, people need to know who's starting, who's who's not starting, who's missing, what, what's, what's going on. And also, gambling. That's important. But for the Howard game itself, I don't really have too much to say on it. I mean, you know, we have a lot of returners that we need. we need proved. We have some new guys that need to step up. Howard's a good opponent, probably not the best in the world. They finished five and six last year. They went four and one in conference play and got a share of its conference title at the end of the year. Didn't have a conference championship game to to settle it, even though they did lose to that team by a lot earlier in the year. So who knows? You know, Howard's gaining some momentum. It's in the fourth year of its coaching staff's regime. Obviously, by then. You know, he came in in a bad situation. You get hired in. Next thing you know, COVID happened a month later. Crappy situation to come into. Still, four years later, your building's got to look like you, right? So let's see what that is going to look like for him. You know, not that, I don't know, not that, not that we're going to be seeing Howard too much after this. We don't have any games against Howard. Uh, coming up after this so it doesn't really matter too much but it's still a respectable program it's still going to be interesting to see and you know it's I like I like peeking over my shoulder you know I like seeing what happened to you know teams that you played against what are we going to learn about the home side though that's really the only question that we have that that I have that's really the only question that I have going into this game Uh, what are we going to learn about each of these positions uh Obviously, the one that you can autofill for every position is who's going to play where and how much. You know, 
how much of the backups out of the quarterbacks, how much of the backups of the running backs, how much of the starters, how much of the, you know, which tight ends and which plays, which O-line units are we going to stick with, who's actually going to be the starting left tackle, you know, with all the rotation that's going to happen. I'm excited to see the many names that come onto the field. But ultimately, what are we going to learn about the position groups? Um, even if it's just like a name or two that we're really, really focusing on. Yes, there's a lot to learn for, say, the offensive line, because there's five that play at a time. There's a lot to learn on every play. But what about Zach Conti? What, what What's happening there? You know, is he going to win the left tackle job? Is he actually going to be left guard like the two deep says he's going to start out as? What's going to happen there? And same, same thing for Chris Mayo right behind him. What's actually going to be the deal there? Uh, my one question I have for the quarterbacks is how efficient is Austin Smith going to be right out the gate? You know, I, I trust him on his feet. He was an okay passer last year, but I'd love to see him take, you know, a huge step forward. It doesn't have to be all at once. I don't need to walk away from the Howard game thinking he's going to be, you know, an all all Mac first team style of passer. I don't think I need to run away with those expectations after watching him for for one game. I don't think I'm going to either, to be honest. But I, but also I don't expect my opinion to change that much unless he goes like 48 for 48 for 48,000 yards. But as an efficient passer, if he's just standing up in the pocket, is he hitting the easy ones? Is he hitting the easy deep ones? Is he making the quick reads? Is he doing all the little things? And yes, you know, this is just like a very lazy thing to just like, talk about with what are you looking for in a quarterback in the first game? Yeah, it's it's always going to be those same things I just rattled off. But for Smith, you know, he was thrown into playing time last year. He probably would have earned some anyways, but they didn't go after Taylor Powell in the transfer portal because they felt comfortable leaning into Smith at such a young age. This year they didn't go to the transfer portal to dig for a replacement. Realistically, he probably should be should have been the QB two this year. If all the QB changes after the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one seasons didn't happen, right? Those guys stick around. Hey, maybe it's not bringing in Taylor Powell being the answer for twenty twenty two. Maybe it's this year they go for a grad transfer and then make redshirt sophomore Austin Smith battle out of the QB2 role into the starting role. But still, this is this is the schedule he's on. He's the QB1. He's definitely earned the respect of his peers. Uh, they didn't go after another transfer this year. This is his offense moving forward, and he needs to really, really, really cemented to be his for the future just because they're not going after a transfer quarterback this year doesn't mean you know Chris Creighton can't change his mind in a few months and try to 
I don't know, go after the portal again this winter. Now is the time for him to really, really solidify it. And so the pressure's on for him. How cool can he be through the pressure? And how efficient can he be through the pressure? The backups, of course, I'm, I'm interested in seeing the backups. But I'm just going to wait and see what happens and why we see them when that time comes before I start raising up really any more questions. For the running backs, of course, there's I don't really have too many questions about the running backs. As, uh, that's outside of, like, who we see when and where. Like, it's so deep. It's super talented. It's the best-looking running back room I've seen entering a season for Eastern Michigan in my time as, I don't know, my whole time following Eastern, which goes back to 2010. Probably the best backfield I remember was before Creighton got here, and it was when Darius Jackson was behind Ryan Brumfield, who was behind um, Bronson Hill. That was a really good back. That was a really good backfield. Wide receivers, there's a lot of a lot of open doors, of course. A lot of open doors. Uh, Von Swinton is listed twice on the depth chart as the backup for the X and the Z. Um, does that mean we're going to see him? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not even going to, I don't even know why I said it like that. Yeah, of course. Why, why else would they do that? Why else would they take the time to do that? Uh, but who's not listed? Who the heck is not listed on here? Tanner Canoe comes back. He's the only starting returner coming back at this position group. Excited to see what his leadership brings to the table here. Uh, always made a lot of like super acrobatic catches. So why would we expect to see any less of that? J.B. Mitchell, Hamza El-Zayat. J.B. Mitchell was like a 2021 signee. Didn't get to see too much of him uh, in the very limited action I did see him, like especially in practices. I, I like the athlete that I saw, so I'm excited to see him come to the fold. And as well as uh, Hamza El-Zayat, who came over from Fordham after like 1,100-plus receiving yards over at Fordham, four years there, Dearborn kid. Didn't play at all last year with an injury, so should be good to go this year. Uh, the tight ends, not any two tight end that EMU has is the same. Yes, there are pass catchers. Yes, there are blockers. No two pass catchers are the same. No two blockers are the same. Um, whoever is on the field will tell you a lot about what play EMU is going to run, I assume. But with new offensive quarter Mike Pekowski, um, I do wonder what what changes, what personnel changes, what designs, what creativity EMU is going to have. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to dump all the crayons on the table in the first game. But they'll probably do something cool for you. I mean, they've been waiting so long to play football too, right? They'll do something to let you know that they've been thinking of stuff. Uh, O-line, essentially, I, I mean, I already kind of said it earlier with a few guys. Um, Brian Dooley, Alex Howie, right right tackle, right guard, respectively. They're going to be coming back. Uh, the other three spots, we'll figure it out. You know, I don't suspect the starting five in this game will be the starting five for every game moving forward. But I doubt that they'll want to start with a starting five that they wouldn't want to keep consistent for most of the year. Uh, D-line, a couple of injuries. Uh, 
Uh, Carter Evans, he's out for the year. Torn ACL meniscus stinks. He was going to be a starting defensive end per the the summer depth chart. He was already a, a decent contributor for the defense over the past couple of years. So it stinks to lose him. It's awesome to bring back Alex Merritt and Mikey Haney, who missed most or all of last year to injury. You know, the usual, hey, what are they going to look like after an injury? Oh, my God, I just need football to get here. That's 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 the takeaway here. I just need football to get here so I can stop saying, oh, what are they going to do? 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 I just want to talk about what they did. Not last year. I've had months to talk about what they did last year or the year before. We need some fresh football. Linebackers, it's going to be great with both Chase Klein and Joe Sparacio coming back. Thought Joe Sparacio was going to graduate last year. Fooled us. He's back. They're going to be great. They're going to be experienced. You know, last year, last year they showed that they, they both play with a lot of speed and a lot of tenacity. Chase Klein's an obvious, obvious leader. Um, somebody that I think is going to be, I mean, probably the, the biggest like draft attraction on this defense, I assume. So excited to see what kind of season is in front of Chase Klein, especially. Uh, and the safeties, cornerbacks, I mean, at corner, you know, Josh Scott and Kempton Shine both had terrific, terrific seasons last year. I'm excited to see them both kind of lead down their units, too. Uh, their secondary as a whole is going to be really good. I mean, of course it's going to be really good. This is an Eastern podcast. Uh, two names I'll just bring up really quickly. Two new names that, you know, didn't play for Eastern last year and have already cracked the two deep through their summer camp experience. Uh, both as backup corners, Bennett Walker, who came in through the JUCO system, and Daquan White, a true freshman. So those are two names to watch out for, of course. Two new names. A lot of the other guys, there's just so much experience on the defense. You, you already know who's already out there. Quintavious Scandrit, safety. Cam Smith, safety. Corey Hernandez, he comes back. Thought he was going to graduate just like Joe Sparacio filled a, fooled us. He's a cornerback. Lots of returning guys across his defense. Offense has some pieces that I'm, you know, I got some questions about. But overall, it should be good. There should be some things to learn about in this Howard game, but I don't think they're going to give us... They're not going to treat this the same way they would if they were open up the season against Toledo, right? Like the creativity will only be kind of there. Around the MAC, uh, we're just going to close out with Around the MAC, just looking at a few games that other MAC teams are playing in this weekend. Uh, I'm just going to pull it straight from my preview and just go right down the list that I have. Uh, of the games of interest, I have four here. Buffalo at Wisconsin, that is a game of interest by by name only. Uh, I think Wisconsin's going to blow Buffalo out. It'd be great if Buffalo could like show a pulse and you know put a three-quarter scare into Wisconsin. But I do think Wisconsin's going to pull away anyways. Toledo at Illinois, of course, is going to be the big one. Illinois is... Illinois has caught a lot of attention, especially for its defense. Uh, people are looking at Toledo for its offense. If Toledo pulls away with the win here, it's definitely going to solidify Toledo in the top 25. doesn't do much for Eastern. However, by association, it's great to have a MAC team in the top 25. That doesn't happen very often. Last time we saw that was at the end of the 2020 season 
when Buffalo and Ball State both made the top 25. Uh, Kent State at UCF. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I just need to know what Kent State looks like. That's the only reason I'm going into this. I don't expect Kent State to put up more than... Do I expect a touchdown? Hmm. I just want to see what Kent State looks like. Uh, Miami at Miami. Enough said. Uh, games that are played just to make a buck. CMU at Michigan State. Of course, big Michigan and Michigan game. However, don't really expect Central to do much. I don't really like Michigan State too much either. I think it's just going to be a really ugly game that Michigan State, uh, unfortunately, just ends up winning. Unfortunately, as in, like, nobody should be playing this game. It's just not, I don't think it's going to be a quality football game. Uh, Ball State at Kentucky, probably more quality. However, way, way more quality with Kentucky. Uh, they have quarterback Devin Leary, who was awesome at NC State. Probably the best quarterback in the SEC, maybe. Remains to be seen. And if he gets cooking, Ball State is toast. Uh, two games against FCS opponents. Ohio, with or without Curtis Rourke against Long Island. The best logo in sports. And then there's also Western Michigan at St. Francis. Uh, shrugging my shoulders at those ones. Also, hardcore shrugging my shoulders. Or actually, I'm just going to fold my hands and just like shake my head aggressively at these three. NIU at Boston College. Akron at Temple. Bowling Green at Liberty. All three of those get a big fat no thank you out of me. <laughs>